of these do you do in a, every week? One every week or one every couple of days? Every day. Welcome back to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino. And today, my guest is the founder of Question Pro. He's passionate about democratizing insights and enabling everyone in a company to access insights and data. Welcome, everybody. Vivek Baskara. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? So good to have you here. And we will deep dive how to build a global sales team, which you have done and you want to share with us. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, Vivek, what are you currently creating? Uh, so I run uh, Question Pro. Uh, we help companies, um, you know, conduct surveys, um, gather insights from employees, from customers, um, do market research. So we have a software platform that enables um, everyone to collect insights. And uh, these insights, what happens then with, so why is it important to collect insights in your for decisions making for decision making really you know should we how do you price things anything from price elasticity to you know what kind of markets to invest in what kind of markets not to invest in from an employee perspective what is working for employees during covid uh, work from home work from anywhere work from you know the office <laughs> so so anytime you have decision making, uh, we enable, you know, people are looking for some data. Uh, there's behavioral data that you can see, like what people are actually doing. And then there's attitudinal data. So we kind of follow along the attitudinal data side, like how are you thinking? Uh, you know, how do you feel more? So, you know, you know, things like that. So that's kind of what we help our customers uh, kind of you know gather, frankly. Cool. And uh, in a second, you will share with us how you have built a global sales team. Uh, and uh, before, I would love to hear who you nominate for the strategy award. Uh, for the strategy award, I'd probably nominate uh, my friend Rob Hohen. He's the CEO of IdeaScale. Um, and I think he's done a phenomenal job uh, building out a company called IdeaScale here in Berkeley, um, in California. And uh, I say here because I used to live in California, but now I live in Texas. Um, like everybody else, I guess. Um, so yeah, Rob Hohen from Ideascale. You mean everybody's moving from California to Texas right now? Oh, that's that's the storyline. <laughs> At least that's the storyline. Why Texas? Uh, probably taxes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's kind of in the states. At least there's different taxation in different different states. Uh, you know, so probably that's kind of the the big reason why people are moving and. You know, uh, so that's probably the, the primary reason, I think. And are you staying all, all in, in one cluster or are you spreading around? That's a good point. I think most of the people are moving to Austin. Um, so, yeah, it is a little cluster. Austin has become like a small little kind of, you know, mini, mini kind of tech hub here, here in Texas, at least. I had so many guests. You, you asked how many guests we have per week. We have five guests per week. I yep. had 200 guests. And every I think every single one that was from California said that they were just moving, moving out. Yeah, yeah. Either either it's Austin or Denver or anywhere. You know, frankly, those are the or Salt Lake City. Lots of people moving out of California, yeah. um, and it's just accelerated. Obviously, with the pandemic, it has accelerated. So we, although although fair fair point, we actually moved out before the pandemic. We moved out about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Beautiful. 
And it's not needed anymore to be there in order to have impact there and uh, to use what is this beautiful amalgamation of talent and tech and uh, and and network, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, even with the, with the pandemic, it is in the last six months, it has obviously accelerated. We have kind of gone bought from anywhere, really, even for our company. We used to have an office in India. We have an office in, in Austin um and everywhere else and mexico but we've gone right now we we hire people anywhere and everywhere so forget quite frankly at least for tech uh i think it doesn't matter if you're if you're in a digital workspace then i think that at least for the next year or two i think we're, you know we don't we don't we don't anticipate even having an office so we, we don't have an office we used to have an office we shut it down um, and all of us are working from uh, all of us are working remotely right now so i think that's that's a that's a very interesting time we had one guest. He said, "Hey Simon, I'm on Venice Beach right now, and you 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 have taken this picture, and the background is Venice Beach. I'm seeing this from my from my window. So, right. uh, would you like to live in California?" And then I said to him, "Yes, I I love California, and I am living it right now. Just I'm living it in Vienna. That's right. That's <laughs> I right. You can hear it wherever I am. Exactly. Exactly." And in fact, he said, "Okay, keep it as it is. Don't come here because it's not it's not like it's this not anymore. It's not safe anymore. <laughs> Southern California is pretty pretty in a pretty bad shape right now. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, building a global sales team. Tell us what was the context? What was the challenge?" Yeah, so if you think about it, we we are a B two B SaaS platform. So we have to build a team for selling. Um, we're not we're not you know. It still requires, it's not a completely point-click buy solution. People want to do a demo, they want to talk about it. And so we had the challenge, we said like, okay, we, we want to sell globally. Obviously it's a SaaS platform, there's no particular market. Um, and uh, instead of kind of saying that we're going to be, you know, US centric, we wanted to be, you know, completely global realistically, right? So. Uh, so that was the challenge. Uh, we started off actually building a team in India um, that uh, that had kind of like we kind of started off there, um, and we found a couple of really good guys that that you know took on the challenge of uh, you know completely you know it, it works for us partly because we are selling online and everybody is online and our solution is online. Everything's online realistically, right? So. Um, so the, the the biggest challenge was putting together a system for kind of you know how do you how do you how do you source inbound leads um, and then you know going you know walking people through the funnel um, and closing deals. So it's you know I'd say it's like not a it's not rocket science, frankly, but put a system putting a system together um, whereby you could segregate by you know markets you know North America, South America, Europe, APAC. Uh, so that's what that was the first level of segmentation we did. Um, then the second thing was. Um, you know, lead generation. Every B two B SaaS platform has a problem with lead generation. That's kind of like number one, probably number one kind of issue. Uh, we kind of solve that by just doing, you know, obviously doing SEO and marketing, realistically, right? So SEO and content marketing is our primary vehicle. Uh, uh, SEO and primary marketing are our primary vehicle right now um, for um, doing this. Um, so. Which marketing activities did you try and which one did work best? Because everybody right now is thinking, oh, should I do LinkedIn? Should I do ads? Should I do a podcast? What should I do? Right. So I, I think we've tried. I think we've been in business for almost 15 years. We've tried I've tried almost nearly everything. Uh, starting from at one point, we were paying 50 grand a month to Google AdWords. Uh, you know, 
the, the one thing that has worked for me is consistently is uh, search optimization, content marketing, realistically, right? Content marketing, inbound content marketing, really, right? So whether where's the context of, you know, you know, we run podcasts or um, just pure, you know, deep content, top of the funnel content, um, and then middle of the funnel content, and then kind of competitive content. Um, so there's like three or four different tactics you can use in terms of content. Um, so that's kind of what we do. Uh, that's what has survived over the years. Uh, anytime we start spending money on anything else, we kind of look at ROI later on. After you know, after even after three months, six months, we we get this and you know we, we get disheartened. Um, uh, like and like we somebody, somebody right now is maybe new to the game and ask. So what is this inbound content marketing? Does it mean that you try and and write as many blogs as possible on your own site? Correct. Yeah. So try and write as many authoritative, you know, authoritative articles, really. Right. So you kind of look at the top of the funnel, like what are people searching for that is in your space, really. Right. So if you're trying to sell, I don't know if you're trying to sell, you know, in my case, we are trying to sell to researchers. We are trying to sell to people who are doing, you know, conducting surveys. So if you're like how to conduct a survey. For example, like, you know, it's not about question pro, but it's like, what are the 10 tips to, what are the things to think about when you want to create a, create a questionnaire? So, so we write an article around, you know, 10 tips to, 10 tips for the, you know, how to create a survey, what are the, you know, what kind of questions to ask, what, you know, you know, unbiased questions, not leading the witness and so on and so forth, really, right? Uh, and we try to rank that. So that's kind of like, you know, you know, educational content, really, you know, evergreen educational content, almost I like think of it as a Wikipedia, frankly, Wikipedia for certain, for really writing good Wikipedia articles for certain, certain, certain contexts. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously publishing it on your blog, publishing on your on your site, and then, you know, not just one time, but, you know, having a, a bunch of these articles and then obviously having a bunch of people link to it, uh, which is pretty standard kind of model effectively. Um, we got a little bit lucky, I'll be honest with you. We got a little bit lucky. We started doing, uh, you know, content marketing from 2005 because that's what I knew how to do <laughs> way back when. And, and it was before SEO was sexy, so we got... Uh, we got you know page rank and everything else um, really fast, um, and at that time it was you know frankly it was a lot easier to do content and SEO marketing you know ten years ago than it's today. Um, so that's kind of that's what I mean when I say inbound marketing, and that works really well. Um, and the part that really Next clicked thing for that us, many people in our community right now are asking themselves yeah. is: Should I write the content? Should I outsource it to an agency? Should I hire somebody to write? Uh, especially. And, and this question is discussed controversially. Some people say the CEO should do it because this is part of the vision and right. its core branding. And others say, no, the CEO should, should never touch it. Uh, it should, it should Hiring or outsourcing is the way. What's your take? Uh, my take is like depends on how much cash you got. <laughs> Simple. Like if you don't have much money, then you you know you're the janitor, you're the CEO, you you buckle up and write. I've written a bunch of articles, honestly, when I started the company and we bootstrapped the company. So, so I was the janitor, I was the coder, I was the CEO, I was everything. So I wrote the articles. Um, so uh, I, I really I, I think it's a it's a matter of you know you know your capability multiplied by your time. Really, the two 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 things. Um, some people really don't want to write or. You know, doesn't you know, I like writing, so it's it's okay for me. It comes naturally. So if you write, ask me to write a blog article, it comes naturally to me. I don't have to think about it too hard. But I, I understand there are people like who who, are, who have writer's block and say I can't write a six hundred. If you can't write a six hundred word article in under forty five minutes, then you're probably not a natural writer. Simple, right? So you don't have to think. It's not. It's like you can't. You know, it's simple, as simple as that. 
Um, so in that case, you should probably outsource it or hire somebody to do it uh, because it's going to create a lot of friction. You will force yourself to do it. If it takes one day to write a 600 word article, then probably it's not going to work because you know you, you can't you can't think about it in that particular context, right? So uh, so my my viewpoint is that if you if it comes naturally to you, then you know. Know, get it done um, every day. Uh, if it doesn't, then outsource it uh, and or kind of hire somebody for it. And that's a separate debate whether you outsource it or you do hire somebody for it. It's really, you know, if you have somebody that you know that is a good content writer, I probably insource it more than outsource it, honestly. Like, I, because this is a long term strategy. I don't believe this is like a, you know, hey, let's do it for two months and let's go home. Like, no, it's not going to work. This is a asset building strategy. This is going to, it's going to pay off, but it's going to pay off like in one year. Um, so you have to have kind of the, 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 you have to have to think about it from that perspective. It's not like, hey, let's just do it for like three weeks and see what happens. Like, no, you have to bet on it as a, as a strategy for, for a long time. Uh, so that's why I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of just kind of hiring an agency because you know you know you need to build up that muscle, you need to build up that capability within within your organization, within your your sphere, um, and that's why I prefer um, at least I personally prefer just having having content content folks in in house and as part of our team. I can share how we do it because yeah. I, I also prefer uh, having somebody in our team. So we have somebody in our team. Will, for example, this interview that we have right now, yeah. they, they will, we pay a transcribing yeah. uh, app to do yeah. the first transcription, yeah. but then my team goes over it, does the editing, does a nice yeah. picture and yeah. uh, bring every, an, a nice structure to it, and it will become a long-form article Perfect. which in theory increases SEO. We are not great at it, but in theory, that's the content game. Yeah, that, that's that's baseline, right? And if you think about it, if you do keep doing this, then you're building this massive content base, really, right? And, and what I like about SEO is really the return on that is long-term, right? So it's not just like one campaign, right? So you spend, you know, 50 grand on a campaign or 10 grand or even five grand on a campaign, then, you know, once your campaign's done, you're done, right? With SEO, really, it's evergreen. So, you know, if five people show up, it's okay. If five people a month show, showed up because of this article, but five people are going to show up next month, the month after, the month after, and the month after, really, right? So that's a, that's a pretty, it's an asset. I look at it as an asset development exercise rather than a kind of a, a campaign of sorts. It's funny, we call it assets in, in our internal organization. We call it because we think of it as our asset. It is, it is, it is. And it compounds. So if you yes, have five exactly. week, five next week, in 10 years, that's a lot, that's a lot of people. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And and they all interlink with each other. It's compounds. The, the compounding effort is like actually the probably the most important element over here, right? So if you if you just write one article, okay, fine. But if you if you kind of kind of create kind of a, a set of articles around this particular space, and Google gives you credit for that. So you're writing knowledge, your your knowledge base on certain certain topics are relevant. Um, and therefore, you know, you get, you know, we're number one for the word research, for example, right? So it's a pretty, pretty broad topic. I get it, but we didn't become number one for the word research because we've written, you know, you know, over 200 articles around research, what's qualitative research, what's quantitative research, uh, what's sampling margin of error, all this stuff, all this kind of educational content we've written over many, many years. Uh, and that's why we are number one for the word research effectively. Another thing that I have found out to work really well is collaborations. Uh, I, I pick 24 people per year. That's two person per month where I say, hey, let's let's cross promote each other. Your audience, and my audience, they have similar nice. problems and uh, they they can 
uh, have value from us sharing in each other's world what we do. Mm. And because I have found out that the leads coming in are much more qualified. Yep. Yep. So yep. the fit to our offer, it's, it's, it's pre-selected. And also yep. there, is, there is a higher level of trust. Uh, because because they're, they're coming in from a trusted authority, really. They, they are promoting you, really. That's a great idea. I mean, good point. I should steal that idea. It's a good one, man. I don't, we don't do that. We don't do cross-promotion with anybody else. Uh, not, we don't, that's a good, you know, I don't know why, but we don't do it. But hey, it's a good idea, man. Um, Give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. no we've kind of anecdotally thought about it here and there. Some, you know, once in a while, somebody will come and, hey, let's do a cross promo and all that stuff. But I like your kind of thinking, like put it, put it, put a system together and say, like, hey, look, you know what? Every month we'll cross promote one vendor. Simple to our, to our yeah. platform. I have a spreadsheet. I go for 24 this year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I have criteria how I select the 24 people. The criteria is they, they, they have the same ideal client, but yeah. a, an offer that is different enough from my offer. Yeah, yeah. So yes. it's not it's not cannibalizing. It's not cannibalizing, uh, and it is just adding adding a creative. Uh, you know, creating. Uh, yeah, it's adding to you as well as them. It's a great idea. I like putting like like I think what you're alluding to is like I like putting together like pick a system and stick to that rather than just like trying to do one thing and then trying. You know, here you are like, look, I'm going to do 24 for the whole year. I'm going to do two a month and. And then you can judge success and you get good at it after the you know the first three months probably you'll stumble and but you know by month six you get good at it and month eight you're really good at it um so and then, and then it starts working because when we did ads uh, the volume was much higher but the fit was really low so we were basically wasting time in talking then to them when they were on our calendar and so right. how can we find the right people they can be less but the conversion rate is higher right yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how did you continue? Uh, yeah, so so I think that the key to one of the things. So so once we got traffic in, then we had a team in India, and we used uh, chat really. So if you go to our site, uh, we use chat as a make vehicle, uh, as a mechanism to convert a website visitor to a conversation. Really, right? So our, our conversion metrics is not. Like, hey, we want you to take a free trial, typical SaaS. Like, hey, let's just go in, use the tool, but we also want to talk to you. Because we are trying to sell at a at a higher price point, really. Right? So we want to talk to the customers, um, and so and that's why the global sales team that you know we had we had, we originally started off a team in India, and 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 nobody wants to kind of pick up the phone when you're on a website. Nobody wants to pick up the phone and talk to you. It's a little too intrusive, really, right? So, but people are perfectly happy getting on a chat, um, like you know something like Intercom, Live Chat, any one of these platforms. You see, there you know at least you know. You know, 50 of these things out there. Um, so that's kind of was our ticket to, um, I'd say, ticket to success is because we just didn't rely on kind of online conversions, really, like, hey, come by, go through a final process. But we kind of injected a, a human element to that. Um, and and it was not very intrusive, uh, but yet it was human. Um, so, you know, a chat-based interface pops up and then did we qualify the customer right there and then potentially even create a lead for a sales rep and then the sales rep then gets engaged uh, with the customer. The customers love it. So they have like a kind of half and half balance. They have like, oh, I can go online and do what I want to do. But, you know, at the same time, uh, there's a sales rep that I can pick up the phone and talk to. Uh, customers love it uh, from that perspective. So there is like that interactivity. It's not totally like blind. Um, 
and and we like it because that increases our ARPU, quite frankly. You know, it increases the, the the price point at which we sell at, so that that helps us from that perspective, and frankly, that justifies um, justifies the sales process and the sales costs. Um, so yeah, we we built a team in India, and then now we have a team in Mexico, in India, and as well as in you know actually um, in Germany and for Doc really for um, that. That obviously caters to you know Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, uh, and so we that's kind of the general process. So you know um, that we've kind of built out over the over the course of the over the course of many years. Um, and the key key part that we do that slightly kind of that was also unique was uh, we sell our, our price points vary between you know ninety nine dollars a month all the way to you know fifty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars for big enterprise deals. Um, so what we do is we run the commercial business out of India. Uh, and then the enterprise business is in market, right? So we have a team in Berlin that handles the larger deals and the team in India handles the smaller deals realistically. Um, so that's how we've kind of, you know, we've got to kind of segmented the entire market um, so that we can uh, we can start off at $1,000 and go all the way up to, you know, 50 grand or 100 grand um, because because we have this, you know, commercial, commercial layer that runs out of India and then the enterprise layers run in market uh, here in Austin, uh, in, in Germany, in Dubai, and so on and so forth. I love it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I have so many more questions after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprints.com slash tools. One of the questions, now that you, you expanded in so many countries, do you have like a blueprint, a checklist in your head? And you know, okay, this is how I am going to enter that country. Yeah. So at this point, we 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 learned it the hard way. Like, but uh, so we know we have a pretty uh, we have a playbook for our kind of operations. We just opened up an office in the UK. So we usually typically send uh, one of our uh, somebody from the company goes there, and then we hire somebody over there. So we we always start a market with two people, um, not just one. I've tried it both ways, uh, where I've sent somebody over to, you know, we hired somebody in a particular market, um, but we never sent somebody over. And then the other way around, we sent somebody over. Um, both of them, uh, the chances, both of them have the pros and cons, obviously. Uh, so we just double up, frankly. So we don't enter a market typically till we can say like, okay, we're gonna send you know somebody who's been in the company for some time. They they can get connected to the company. They know the process. They know the systems. They know they know the sales process and everything else. But they're new to the market. So but so then and then in a market we probably hire somebody over there and then we pair the two of them together. Um, and that becomes the genesis of the kind of market. And then then they hire people. Then they hire a marketing person. Then that for for local content generation, um, especially you know in we like markets like you know Germany because you could go do SEO you know in German, which is like not not a lot of people are you know doing. I mean everybody's doing SEO in English, but now we can now we are number one for a lot of terms in German. Uh, same thing to do with France. Uh, you can do you know you know it's it's really language oriented Portuguese, uh, obviously Spanish and so on and so forth. Mexico we don't do the whole thing in Spanish really right so so it's a combination going back to your question it's a combination of blueprint of somebody that you have, we have deep trust in from our team that you know has been working with me so we know them really really well he he knows the company he knows what to do what not to do and how we do everything right uh, and then we pair them up with somebody from the outside they're like okay they are they are local in market and the two of them work together to build out build out a particular market um, that's how we've kind of run the run the playbook so far this is wonderful. And everybody listening here, you should stop, go back and write down this checklist because this is how you can enter and uh, systemize and dominate markets. This is beautiful. Thank you for sharing. 
So what are the three books that uh, influenced you most? Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, I think from a business perspective, it's kind of Principles by Ray Dalio. Uh, I think it's a big, big ass book, but I think I think everybody should read it. Everybody's trying to do something uh, in this world. It, it's kind of a tough read, but I really like it. Uh, uh, and the second book uh, would be uh, the Happiness Project. Uh, it's more. It's not a business book. It's more of a personal kind of like happiness uh, about how to how to bring about happiness around yourself. Um, so I do. So that's how, kind of, how did it change your life? The the Happiness book. I think it's. I think my personal relationships, like instead of complaining about the fact that what my wife does or doesn't do, you kind of look inwards rather than look outwards. That's kind of the key part. Uh, which probably any therapist or anybody would tell you, you know, but uh, obviously the book is a lot cheaper than a therapist. So, so from that perspective, it's, it's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that has definitely helped me in terms of uh, kind of focusing on, you know, happiness as a, as a, as a construct. A lot of people like, you know, we all get caught up with everything else. We are not looking at what makes us happy and why really. Right. So, um, and and really, so doing some amount of time and effort around doing that self reflection. Um, and the third book uh, I would say is is, is a is a uh, is not a business book. Is not anything. It, it, it's it's a book called Where the Crowdads Sing. Um, it's uh, it's a just a kind of obviously a fiction book, but it's very I like it because it's you know written in the context of kind of you know poverty in America and 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 kind of humanity and poverty in America really. So everybody thinks that in the states is like you know everybody's rich and everybody's great, but it's not true. There's poverty here, and you know and uh, I think uh, at least to me it was it was very um, at least emotional um, as I as I read through that. So. It's, it's not a business book, but it's all right. It's still one of my one of my. I would strongly recommend. It's a good good read, actually. So, who should book you, and where can they find you? Uh, on LinkedIn. I mean, I guess uh, I am not on Twitter or Facebook. I, I, I for some reason I never got into it. Uh, so people can find me on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, my name. You know, just go search it by. You know, I can send you the link to the to my LinkedIn. I guess profile. That's probably the best way. These I'm on LinkedIn all the time, so that's that's where I am. Who should be my next guest? Uh, probably uh, either. Rit, who's the CEO of Trama UI, or Romy Mahajan. He's a he's a marketer. He's a friend of mine from Seattle. So one of those two guys. I can obviously do introduction. Both of you, both of them, both of them would be an interesting kind of interesting conversation with you. Really. Is there anything I forgot to ask you? No, I mean this is a fun conversation. I mean it's good good bantering. So thank you for thank you for the thank you for the fun times. Thank you so much for being on the show, Vivek. And come back soon, my friend. Yes, sir, I will. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.